Good afternoon, and thanks for listening to this ninth episode of the House of Deputies News Nightly Podcast. Um, this final episode is actually being recorded in the afternoon of July 11th, as it will be my final episode, as tomorrow I'll be leaving to visit family near Austin. I have zero guests today, so this will be a relatively short one, but I hope nevertheless that it will be still helpful to uh, any faithful deputy or listener who has stuck with uh, the podcast throughout these many episodes. So what's happening uh, right now? As I speak, the Episcopal Church's 79th General Convention is in the midst of its seventh official day. Just hours ago, the House of Deputies voted unanimously to readmit the Episcopal Church of Cuba as the Diocese of the Episcopal Church, as the Diocese of the Episcopal Church, making it a part of Province Two. And this was an incredibly emotional moment for many different parts of the church, including women bishops, who know who now go from seven to eight women bishops in the house. Also important, uh, another unanimous vote, A111, passed the House of Deputies. This is a vote to amend our constitution to allow dioceses to merge. If passed by the House of Bishops, and I think it will be, this could have significant structural implications for a church which has many dioceses uh, and many bishops. We're also starting to see money aligned to our priorities. The House of Deputies passed D002 to allot $5 million for grants for racial justice, but before anyone gets too excited about that, it's important to point out that between the House of Deputies passing this resolution and it being funded at this amount in our budget, there's a wide gap. So uh, D002 and these grants for racial justice are definitely something to track over the next few days. Also happening... There is a debate in the House of Bishops over Resolution D-016 seeking truth, reconciliation, and uh, restoration. At this moment, we are waiting to see whether this will be passed by the House of Bishops and will therefore go forward. So there's still a few days to go and a lot of voting left. And by the time people hear this podcast, we'll all know a lot more about uh, the votes and resolutions that I I just mentioned, including the closely watched B012, Marriage for the Whole Church. Um, So instead of trying to give an update or prediction about where we'll go, uh, I'd love to instead do just a quick reflection based on some of the past podcast conversations uh, and what I've seen uh, this past week. Um, I began this podcast trying to answer the question of whether any of this matters, or rather, in what way does general convention matter? And I have to admit that I began this uh, convention a little skeptical and quite frankly worried that the previous triennium's focus on racial justice would not be continuing into the next three years. And I'm very happy to say that I don't have that concern at this point. I thought in his opening Eucharist, presiding Bishop Michael Curry really connected the Jesus movement to an ongoing focus on racial justice. And then later, during a conversation with Zena Link, who serves on program budget and finance, uh, really you know, saw and heard that the three priorities named in the prior triennium, racial justice, evangelism, and creation care, will indeed continue to be the format as we enter the next. Um, 
I personally am very excited about those three priorities as I think they're the priorities of what it means to be church in the world today. And so I, I think it's heartening that we're uh, going to continue to focus on these areas in a real uh, substantial way because, in fact, we need to. And that's, I suppose, another story that emerged over the course of this week. Um, we have a long way to go around issues of race and diversity, and this really came to a head in several ways at this general convention. We need to make sure that our liturgies reflect the diversity of the church. We need to make sure that there is representation from Province 9 on key commissions and committees. We need to improve our processes around translation. Right now, the Episcopal Church is 86% white, and the House of Bishops is 91% white and male. And so overall, as a body and in our leadership bodies, uh, we are profoundly out of step with the changing demographics of our wider society. And I personally don't know how we're going to continue to exist in any sort of meaningful way unless we start to have the hard conversations that are needed to open us up. Um, uh, which will require us giving up our beloved places of privilege in society uh, and will ultimately require us, I think, to move beyond just conversations toward the creation of practical policies and processes to diversify the leadership bodies of our church. And that is still work that we have yet to do. The good news is, though, that I think we are headed in the right direction. Um, I am very hopeful, and from a, a different angle, not race, but, uh, but, uh, but gender issues, I, I'm very hopeful that the House of Bishops will indeed pass D-016, which is the truth and reconciliation process around sexual harassment and exploitation. Um, aside from the need from that process, I think it's also really great news, a wonderful precedent, that there was this all-female committee uh, that put forward incredibly specific recommendations for how this church can do better. And I was especially grateful to speak with the Reverend Laurie Brock on the significance of those recommendations in an earlier podcast. Another moment in which I saw us using our resource and privileges in the best way was when about 1,200 General Convention goers attended first the rally uh, held by Bishops United Against Gun Violence, and then, uh, then we got onto buses to Taylor, Texas, to engage in an act of public witness at the Hutto Detention Center. It's sometimes easy to say that these acts of public witness are what the church should only be about. And uh, so I was struck by the fact that these acts of public witness happened during General Convention, and that it was the institutions uh, that helped to make this possible, as well as the leadership of women, again, that really made this event uh, come into being. And so even today, as voting becomes very structurally focused, it's a, uh, or sometimes somewhat internally focused about budget and worship, uh, I'm, I'm struck by how connected public witness is to our institutions and structures and the network of leaders that is this denomination. One concern I have, uh, that said, one concern I have, and, um, and really nothing about this general convention has allayed this concern, will continue to be uh, around the area of accountability. There are resolutions from the prior general convention that still need to be followed up on. Uh, there was a vote in 2012 which gave voice, a clear voice, I think, to a desire to restructure the church. And yet, for all intents and purposes, I, I 
think that that's fizzled out, and I don't see where the spirit uh, of that conversation has gone. Uh, In the previous podcast episode on racial justice, I mentioned a letter from both the presiding bishop and president of the House of Deputies, which outlined five to six things that the Episcopal Church would do around racial reconciliation. And to my knowledge, at least, that letter has not been raised at all here as a reference point for holding ourselves accountable. Overall, I think we'd be a lot further along on so many of the areas that we're actively voting on, even as I speak, if we actually had ways of going back to these resolutions and these letters and of tracking how well we're actually doing on these things. Because otherwise, we really do run the risk of being a church that doesn't follow through. For me, uh, in the spirit of following through, uh, one of the most important and interesting conversations then is um, about socially responsible investing. We talk a lot about how our budget, at least on the expenditure side, uh, needs to reflect our priorities. And yet we also seem to have an ethical wall around the notion of bringing our values and ethics into how we raise money or how we invest our resources. Brendan O'Sullivan-Hale, who was on twice, raised the haunting question, I think, of whether we are a church that goes to Taylor, Texas to do an act of public witness against a private prison system or outside a private prison system, but that is essentially saying that we're okay with investing and getting returns from a private prison system. Um, His point is, I think it's an important one, is that as Christians, our policy can't possibly be returns at all cost. Uh, And I personally think that this is really one of the most important conversations that will be had over the next few trienniums. Um, How will our values impact the investing and revenue side of the budget? And so lastly, uh, I've ended every single podcast with a broche de oro, uh, a last little touch, or literally it refers to, you know, the... uh, a gold brooch that I want to add to the to the vestment of uh, this general convention, and mine comes from my boyfriend, who arrived in Austin, Texas, just a couple of days ago to help me with these last few days of taking down the exhibit booth and just you know making sure that uh, there I can do all of this stuff that I need to do here. He is not an Episcopalian; he's a lapsed but previously very active Roman Catholic, and. Uh, expressed fascination today about what is going on here. It's so democratic, he said to me. It's really impressive. I was not expecting that, I have to admit. Um, This was after I told him all the ins and outs about B012 and A068 and on and on and on. And I found that to be such a helpful reminder. I've been to General Convention four times now. And so... Some of this I I do take for granted. Um, And so whenever he said this, I almost had in my mind just my immediate response was, well, of course it is. Uh, As Episcopalians, we believe that the Spirit breathes through this church across orders, across houses, across dioceses, and across nations. And that with our weird processes and structures, we, uh, we're going to get to a place where we can embody what it means to be part of the Jesus movement and help lead wider society on these issues as well. So um, that, that bit of surprise uh, from him, uh, that notion that 
it's so democratic and that it's impressive for that very reason. That's what I'm going to leave general convention thinking with, thinking about. And so with that, I want to say thank you for letting me give this a little reflection and for joining you on these podcasts and also to let you know that I will be thinking of this wonderful gathering in Austin as General Convention winds down its final days. Thank you.